Whether it's bad planning, bad luck, bad timing, or bad inventions, well-intentioned bad decisions have plagued history for thousands of years. Welcome to Historic Hindsight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Historic Hindsight. I'm John, that's Tom, and today we're going to talk to you about George Costanza. George, uh, yeah, George Costanza, you know, the half-naked guy from Seinfeld, yeah. right? And his little yeah. cat or yeah. It's, or it's talking... more current than we normally go, but I yeah. which I was confused by, but you know, we're here, so tell me about George. Or or in reality we're going to talk about prohibition with George Remus, uh, who is a uh, who's Who a German American. Yeah, he's George Remus, he's a German American lawyer who would lead a massive bootlegging empire during the prohibition in the oh. United States and even without uh, uh, the death and destruction of say uh, Al Capone. So he did this a, a little bit more peacefully. Uh, okay. Than Al Capone did, uh, and he comes with at less, it very like unique. with less force. Like he was just a he, like a good yeah. salesman type guy. Or, yeah, or, he uh, he finds some legal. You know, he's a lawyer, so he's going to find some legal loopholes. And I promise you, he's going to be way more entertaining uh, than George Costanza would be because th this is how this isn't like a big like a like TV series made specifically about this guy. Yeah. I don't know because the story is just absolutely ridiculous. Now he do you is think he do you think his name is working against him here with George yeah, Remus. Maybe. Remus. It's not uh, great. He is on he is a character on Boardwalk Empires. I haven't really watched that show a whole lot. Mm. I know he's there, I but I uh, obviously have not watched it one bit. Nope. Nope. But in any case, he was uh, he was born in Landsberg, Germany, uh, uh, on November thirteenth, eighteen seventy eight, and he would arrive in the United States with his family in New York on June fifteenth, eighteen eighty two. And like most immigrant families, oh, okay. New York isn't your final destination. They go all over the place in the United States trying to find their their spot. Right. In so, the world. so by all all intents and purposes, he he was raised as an American child, or in, you know, since what four years old. Uh, no, he was, was born he in uh, he was born in 1878, 1882. He gets over here, yeah. so so uh, four yeah, yeah, four years. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm I'm good at math. <laughs> <laughs> so he was raised in America, his yep. basically whole life that he can remember. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, his his family would eventually wind their way into Chicago, where at 14, George would work with his uncle at the family pharmacy. So again, in America at this time. Child labor laws are like meh. Okay, but I—I I mean, I had, I, I had a job. At, I had a job at fourteen. Did you? Yeah, I was, I was at an ice cream shop. Did you have to have like a special work? Did, yeah, you had I to think, go out and get like yeah, a special to like, get, work permit thing. Or something yeah, I had to get a permit, and I think it was allowed because it was like a small mom and pop shop type deal. And you probably had very limited hours that you could work. But in any case, oh, I worked like four hours a week. Yeah. Yeah, at at, nine, yeah, at the age of 19, he's going to graduate from the Chicago College of Pharmacy, and uh, oh. and he's going to wind up buying that family pharmacy at the age of 21. Nice. Not bad. By, not bad. By 24, he's going to start himself a pharmacy empire when he buys another pharmacy, but within that first year of buying the second pharmacy, he's like, I don't. I don't like counting pills. This shit sucks. He's just bored with it? He's just bored with it. So he decides to go to law school. Uh, he's going to graduate from the Illinois College of Law, which is now DePaul University, and he's going to be admitted to the bar in 1904. Uh, he specializes in criminal defense, and you know it's Chicago, so that naturally leads you to defending murderers because yeah, you know, well, and there's no shortage Chicago. of uh, of job opportunities for him, I'm sure, which is nice. <laughs> you know, it's not, good not job security. 
not in Chicago. In 1914, he starts to pioneer this new defense called transitory insanity, which eventually is going to evolve into temporary insanity. So he's arguing mm. that there are periods where it is legit that uh, that a person is temporarily insane due to circumstances. Mm-hmm. Let's say you walk in and your wife's stopping some other guy and yeah. you, you, you lose your mind. Yeah, it's that seeing red thing argument that, you know, yeah. I just, I blacked out and came to later so he's going to be one of the pioneers of this uh, of this new defense and keep that in the back of your head as we talk about this because it's going to come it's going to come back full i'll try full circle a little bit later I'll i know you're, you're not going to remember but anyways uh and uh uh and right before uh, prohibition he was wa- he was actually making five hundred thousand dollars a year which is uh, equivalent to 6.5 million today so the guy is very well respected in the law community he's obviously making a very good living for himself five hundred thousand dollars yeah. a year and and 1920 is absurd. Yeah, I He's mean, absurdly you, rich. Yeah, that's six and a half million a year is insane. Most like good football players don't get that. <laughs> no. Like, so, uh, so you might be asking yourself at home, how the hell does a lawyer who's making equivalent to six and a half million dollars a year get into the bootlegging? Like, why? Why even? Because he was bored. I, I'm not asking point. myself that at all. He was because he was bored. He he conquered the pharmacy empire by the time he was, what, 23, 24, 24 years yeah, old? Yeah. He, he was looking for some, he, something he, fun he to do. A, he became a lawyer just for the shits and giggles. Just because yeah, why I not? I don't know. Well, when Prohibition kicks off in January 17th, 1920, Remus naturally is going to begin defending a lot of people who, you know, express their rights to freedom by having a drink and selling a drink and manufacturing a drink. Because as a criminal defender, you know, they are going to be people criminals. who are going to be violating the <laughs> Volstead Act. But we would, John, well, actually, right, what we're doing right now is not criminal because it was never criminal to drink the alcohol. It was only criminal to sell it. So, uh, so not Walmart, even to buy it. I bought this. Yeah. We, yeah. Not, we, well, we're buying and selling okay. and making. You can't do those things. Uh, but, uh, so, but Walmart if you were, if you were to happen upon a pile of beer somewhere and then right maybe before or after that, somebody was selling, I don't know, like five pieces of grass for $12. Could you like give, like buy the grass and then, oh, you've happened to find a six pack and then you pick that up. And... Well, those are some of the, so those are some of the many loopholes that exist in the Volstead Act. Like it, when the Volstead Act was, was passed, you know, prohibition was passed. You Like if you had a stockpile of booze, like you're good to go. So there were actually a lot of um, private clubs and, and, you know, rich people who just rode out prohibition by buying an ass ton of booze right yeah. beforehand and just we're, we're good and no, no laws violated by drinking it you know so it, it was fine. it was preppers but for not having for alcohol boost, yeah. not like you know apocalyptic and uh, things and that there would were be other to ways, come by the way yeah there were other ways to get around like selling a, a alcohol like you could go out and buy um concentrated grape juice uh that mm. had a really weird warning label on it uh that essentially said um hey uh don't you dare uh put some yeast in this and fill it up to this mark with water and let it sit for two weeks. Right. Don't don't do that because no. then you'll make wine and you don't want to do that. Don't don't do. Don't well, do that. I mean, this is uh, again America being such a safety oriented state. It's you know the warning labels basically. It's, yeah. you, you yeah. Don't eat Tide Pods. Don't fill this up because it's going to ferment and become <laughs> liquor, and you don't want to get drunk because now why? Because again, why prohibition? Uh, 
Well, we at, at a future date we will do a whole episode okay. on the Volset yeah. Act and how it how it created. Well, that's not today. Today is not just, today. just on George Remus because okay. uh, because he's he's yes. Uh, so you know Remus is obviously defending all these bootleggers and he's realizing that they're making more than six point five million dollars equivalent uh, a year by selling and manufacturing booze. And as a criminal defense lawyer, it's his job to know the Volstead Act inside and out, including sure. all of the all of the loopholes that exist. Like, you of know, course. If you're a rabbi, especially as a can, defense lawyer. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. If you're for religious purposes, you can make and make and uh, you know have have religious wine because oh know, right yeah. Mm -hmm. So this, now, this uh, okay. could they have religious beer or vodka or uh, whiskey? If uh... you know, I'm sure if it's a yeah, I'm sure they could probably figure out a way to do that. But the but the loophole that he found is that um, any alcohol that was manufactured prior could still be sold with government approval to uh, to pharmacies because Johnny, you mm. could get a prescription for your whiskey if you wanted. Well, because I the, mean, you know, medicinal alcohol well, I mean, can be. be well, literally, alcoholism, if you just cut them off and, and stop them, they will die from it. So there well, are, I mean, they, they give people alcohol in hospitals, like $60 bush lights or hams. That's not even a hams. It's a, it's a hams, Johnny. This is a hams. $60, $60 hams. ham. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they need <laughs> it. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they would have to have some sort of thing around that. Well, I mean, of course, obviously, during this time frame, the, uh, the uh, oh, I have a headache. Well, yeah. Right. Here's yeah. your prescription for <laughs> whiskey. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I I'm pretty sure I'm an alcoholic and I need to have I need it. liquor. So uh so what he does is he winds up moving to Cincinnati and he buys a bunch of distilleries, including the Fleischmann distillery, which today you can get eighty proof vodka that's like okay. grain vodka. I thought it's still... so um it's cheap crappy vodka that's high high alcohol content. Which is just what you want in a time like which this. Which is just, well, yeah, which is just what you want in a time like this. Uh, so he buys up all these these distilleries for pennies on the dollars because at this point they're like, well, we made all. We can't this do anything. Shit, we can't do anything with it, and uh, and we can't make any more. So what are we what are we supposed to do? Mm -hmm. So he buys up all these old distilleries, and uh, it winds up uh, getting the government contracts to be able to sell these to pharmacies. He winds up owning 80% of the bonded whiskey within a 300-mile radius of Cincinnati. So this is how vested he gets. 300-mile radius? That's huge. Cincinnati. Yeah, so think of all those, you know, what is it? You've got uh, all the Kentucky bourbons that are down there. He bought yep. you know, all the hose areas. Well, he's making money doing this, but it's not a lot of money completely legal but not a lot of money so what he does now is uh he decides to create a distribution company to transport mm -hmm. that booze from the distillery to the pharmacy so he controls that revenue stream in addition to just nice. selling it yeah and uh and he realizes oh there's a lot of private little speakeasies that want booze now i can't directly sell it to them because that would be illegal mm -hmm. but if someone were perchance to steal Mm, that would be unfortunate from my transportation company yeah then, i imagine you know, i imagine robberies were pretty significant at this time and so <laughs> the cops are going to understand why all your liquor got stolen right and then yeah, and yeah. then so but how but the thieves steal it so what how does he get so, to any money out of that what he does is he has three thousand employees between the distributors uh and the breweries or, or you know or the distilleries um and uh and he also has people on his payroll that are robbing you know the uh, the transportation company. So in you know in public, mm -hmm. they will go out there and be like, "Give me all your money and your booze, and we want it all." And they'd be like, "Okay, don't shoot." Oh me. no! And then they'd meet up at the speakeasy later and be like, and "Ah!" Then they'd meet up at the <laughs> yeah. 
and then they, and then of course uh, you know Remus would would sell this shit to the uh, to the uh, the speakeasies for a huge profit. Yeah. And of course yeah. at this point in time government corruption is uh, is just the name of the game. So as long as you're greasing a few wheels with uh, with a dollar 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 bill here uh, you, you know you're okay. No, you, thank goodness we along. Thank goodness we wiped out all of government's corruption now. <laughs> we don't have any of that anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's definitely none of that. So over these uh, over these 3 years that he's uh, he's bought the distributors, uh, he's bought the distilleries, he's got the transportation company his fake, you know, Right, robbing of himself, he winds up making sixty million dollars, or the equivalent of seven hundred and eighty-four million dollars today. In three years, he makes sixty million dollars doing this. I could see why he would uh, continue that. That's of course that's, he still that'd got be a hard thing to to like walk away from or decide yeah. not to do. And he's still he's still a lawyer. He's still practicing law, so he's still got his criminal defense. Like this is a criminal defense lawyer who's awesome. On the side, you know, running booze. And so everybody's just thinking, man, you are do- you sure are doing well for yourself as a criminal defense lawyer. But I guess, I mean, he was previously uh, uh, doing well a millionaire, himself. right, essentially? Yeah, or oh, yeah. whatever they call Yeah, essentially, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, so, although now he is quite literally a millionaire. He, right, he, yeah. He just made $60 million. Not by the, not every sense of the word. Yeah, by every sense. Um, so before all this happened, uh, Remus was married and then divorced when he was caught sleeping with his secretary, Augusta Imogene Holmes, uh, who mm-hmm. was a young divorcee herself. Tale as old as time. You know, tale as old as time. You know, you're, you're, you're stopping your legal secretary. Uh, so uh, they wind up actually getting married in Newport, Kentucky in June of 1920, right before the whole, you know, booze empire kicks off. Now, with all this money that Remus is making hand over fist, he decides to build himself a mansion for his new wife called the Marble Mansion, where he would hold extravagant parties, including a birthday party for Imogene, uh, where she wore nothing Johnny but a skimpy bathing suit with aquatic dancers and was serenaded by 15-piece orchestra. So, um... I would love that's, to see that's uh, the, uh, what the was bathing suit. Yeah, I what that was considered. You, I guarantee you, it's like a one-piece suit without that little dress part. Yeah, yeah. down to mid. It's probably mid-thigh. Yeah, probably has sleeves. Yeah, yeah it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not a. You know, it's not a bikini from any <laughs> standpoint. It's definitely not that. She would look overdressed at every pool party anybody from today has ever been had to. Ever. That, yes, uh, I guarantee it. I don't know what she was wearing, but I guarantee. Uh, it was. It's a very yeah. modest swimsuit yeah. today. Uh, everything, of, of course, is going to come crashing down for Remus because. Um, oh shoot! You know, Why? How? Unbelievable. Right? Because he's, you know, he's committing, like, it's, everybody kind of knows what's going on at this point. Like, I mean, he's, like, you got a lot of booze that just comes up stolen. When you're making $500,000 or a million dollars a year or something like that, like, and you have a job that's good and you came for money, like, you can work with that. $60 million, I mean, that's just a insane amount of money. It's, it's And to continue with- to have your, your, uh your company gets stolen from time and time again time again what are are the odds i mean you would think eventually he would shell out for more security right so (laughs) what what winds up happening is he has to pay off you know there are there are uh uh, prohibition agents all over the place although they're not really all over the place because that's another thing about that they really screwed up with prohibition is they didn't they didn't actually have the police agency to Nobody. enforce any of this. Yeah. Uh, and so normally you just you grease the wheels by throwing $1,000 at them. And, well, hell, that's more than they've seen in a month. So they're okay with it. But he tries to do this in Indianapolis and, 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 uh, and bribe away a, a prohibition agent who, who decides, no, 
no, I'm not going to take your bribe. I know you're selling illegal booze. And he arrests him and brings him up on over 2,000 charges of uh, a violation of the Volstead Act. So an overzealous Hoosier is what brought this guy down. <laughs> Yeah, the overzealous Hoosier. Uh, it took jurors only two hours to convict him, and he would be sentenced to two years in the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. So, um, I'll bet like an hour and a half of that was them reading off what he was being charged with. Charged with, yeah, for, <laughs> because it's over 2,000 charges. And that's the thing, though. Think about this, though. He is he is convicted of over 2,000 violations of the Volstead yeah. Act, and his punishment is two years in jail. Well, it's, you know, it, and he's making it's one one-thousandth of a year per... Punishment. Yeah, and he uh, and he made sixty million. Okay, I assume oh, he was I gotta, white. I got to well, yeah. So I that's a pretty standard uh, prison sentence, I think. And he's he's got to serve two years in jail, and he's still got sixty million dollars in the bank. Oh no! Oh no! Don't do this. And actually, he winds up I'm, taking a lot of his money and giving it over to his wife for his wife to uh, to control his estate while he's in jail. On account uh, of that way, they definitely can't come after any of it or take yep, any of it yep, back. Yep. 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 Now, um. I think we we all know where this is probably going. You give you give your wife all that access to money, and you're in jail for a couple of years. And she is waiting for you when you get out, having protected <laughs> said money, minus taking some out for expenses and trips. Like what? Hey, right. Uh, so if if this wasn't the Hollywood story enough about this this just odd way of this guy becoming a bootlegger, um, while in jail, he's going to befriend a Franklin Dodge, who's actually an undercover prohibition agent. Who's in jail? To try to, yeah, Are they like they're jail. they're putting yeah, seeds yeah, he's, in? He's, yeah, he's a seed in jail, uh, and he's trying to gain information out of Remus because Remus obviously did have a pretty good empire, and there yeah. could be a lot more rest to come from him if they can get some information out of him. Uh, but what uh, what what Franklin Dodge does with this information when he finds out? Oh, you have a hot wife who likes swimsuit parties, and uh, and she's got control of all your sixty million dollar empire. Skimpy swimsuit cool. parties. So, so, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and resign my position as a uh, prohibition agent and uh, get myself out of jail and go uh, and go meet up with Imogene and start an illicit affair with her. That was easy. No, yeah, which was which like, is yeah. What, she's how, like, yeah. I mean, is it what is this Brad Pitt coming in for this role? <laughs> Maybe we yeah we put Brad Pitt in the role. I think you know you get Brad Pitt it'd, it'd make the role it believable. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's got to be in it. Yeah, uh, Leo uh, maybe, could be. Uh, a, who's the gray hair guy? George Clooney. George Clooney. George Clooney. Maybe. Yeah. Well, well, I think Leo could be maybe George Remus, although he does not look at all like George Remus. But, uh. but you know, in that like uh, catch me if you can kind of role, because right, kind of, yeah, me yeah, a just kind bit. of a bit of a con man, bit of a smooth talker, can yep. get his way uh, out of situations. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yep. We yep. cast a well, film. That's great. Let's we did. We out. just did. Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, Imogene and, and Dodge wind up actually selling off as much as they can of uh, of Remus's uh, of Empire, including liquidating all of his uh, his distilleries, as well as the Fleischmann Distillery itself, for millions and millions of dollars. They sell all this shit off. Um, they in turn give Remus a hundred dollars from the sale of the Fleischmann Distillery. So that was that was. That was nice of them. I mean, that's that's a callback to something, right? Like they had to have had some sort of hundred dollar thing between him and his wife, and she's that, like, that's a double middle fingers from it. That's that, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's got to be a double middle fingers. Now, uh, they obviously you've got this point where he's only in jail for two years, so um, you know he's gonna be pissed when he comes out. So what do you do? The couple tries to get him deported because after all, he is uh, he is German born. So he's wait, why? Not I'm a sorry. U.S. born citizen. I'm sorry. Why? Why are they here? 
Why? Why are get, who here? Uh, the couple? Yeah, get get the hell or just out. Leave, just how? Well, you know, because that, that's you know that's the logical thing, John. Just, and nobody does anything logical in stories like this. I mean, so, good God, uh, they hop to a plane to like uh, France or something. I don't know Hawaii. You know, wherever you want to go, just have at it. Um, so they try to get him deported, and that doesn't work. When that doesn't work, they come up with a plan to uh, to hire a hitman. To kill Remus while he's in jail. They even pay the guy $15,000, but Dodge is like, um, so if Imogene uh, betrayed her first husband and then betrayed Remus, she probably might betray me too. So so Dodge gets a little bit of cold feet, and he goes to Remus in jail and says, hey, um, yeah, we, we, we tried to hire a hitman to kill you. So head head heads up. You're heads up. Someone's gonna try to kill you in jail, where you have very little control over your day to day activities. Your your wife is um uh kind of a bitch. You might want to avoid her when you get out. So Remus is gonna get out of jail, and when he gets home, he 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 discovers his mansion, which he still owns, uh, but it's empty of like pretty much everything. Yeah. And uh, and he's got divorce papers kind of waiting at the house for him because obviously Imogene's now uh, ready to ready to spread her wings and fly She's away. She's gonna move so, on. So to speak. She's yeah. moving on. To greener uh, so, pastures. To greener pastures. So on October 6, 1927, Remus is, uh, is going to be going to his uh, court appearance for his divorce uh, divorce hearing. On his way, he sees Imogene in a cab and has his driver, like he tells his driver, listen, run those, run her off the road. And the driver's like, okay, that sounds that sounds reasonable. So in, like in downtown, in broad <laughs> that, public, that guy That guy's they, like, all right, I've been waiting for this call my whole life. <laughs> they they ram the taxi car, ram her off the road. When she's off the road, Remus gets out of his car, goes up to her cab, and shoots her in the stomach, like to the shock and awe of like everybody that's around. Like she, she he shoots her fatally in the stomach, and and winds up killing her in broad daylight, in public, in front of the Springhouse gazebo. During his trial, he's gonna. This is where I said it was gonna come back full circle. Full circle. He's gonna. He's gonna claim transitory insanity. He tells the jury, like, look, it's not my fault. She stole all my money when I was in jail. She Fair. had an illicit affair with somebody with me while I was in jail, who who pretended to be my friend, but was actually an undercover prohibition agent. Fair. They hired a fucking hitman to kill me. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, and so, uh, and so, like, clearly, like, I just. You know, right, but, but 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 isn't the trouble with this uh, whole argument, at least by today's standards, that he didn't at that point he didn't see her like in the act of doing everything. He had 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 time to reconcile all that, and so you, I mean, it's it was at, much after the fact of all of these yeah. things. So that's a tough yeah, and and, argument and so the pro- and, yeah, and that's what the prosecutors hung on, and they also hired uh, the prosecutor. By the way, is actually. Uh, former President William Howard Taft's son, Charles Taft. Oh, Charlie. Uh, he's, he's prosecuting. Char- Charlie Taft, he's prosecuting this, and he goes to great lengths, including hiring the foremost psychiatrist to um, to to evaluate Remus, and they all say, dude's not crazy. He never <laughs> has been crazy. He's of sound mind. He, he is a, he actually doing. a brilliant person who has built yeah, multiple brilliant. business empires and done very well for himself over the years, and he's doing just fine. Uh, turns out uh, money and power and having everything you want just makes you think that you can do things like run people off the road and then shoot them in the stomach when you're mad at them. Yeah, but see, Johnny... Did he get away with it? In, yeah, we live in the United States, and in the United States, in our justice system, we are we are 
tried by a jury of our peers, Johnny, and all you now have find to do is find his convince, peers. Good God! Yeah, convince twelve people that uh, that you're good to go, and uh, and it doesn't much matter what the actual law is or no. or no. or any of that. If you can convince no, we've seen that recently that you're yeah. good. You're good. Uh, and, uh, and, and and wouldn't you know, Johnny, after 19 minutes of deliberation, they find 19 minutes. That's barely enough time to get back into the room and be like, hey, what do we all think? 19 minutes. Not guilty due to reason of transitory insanity. They were probably just excited that they had such a new term to use. And like, I understand what that means. And I'm going to say he had it. <laughs> <laughs> but talk the like that because they were dumb. Well, and they're in Ohio, so you know it is that. And I and I lived in Ohio for a while, so you all at home can just. Anyways, but the thing with the the whole insanity defense uh, is that it doesn't mean that you're not punished. It doesn't no. mean that there are roses. Oh, that's right. Candy canes. That's right. End. You don't get to you, go, but you're because you're yeah, insane. Because you're insane, so you get to go to the state insane asylum that's got to be so much sent, worse than jail which which it would be except for the fact that um that remus is not insane and remus is a genius and uh, and remus uses the entire prosecution's arguments that he wasn't insane and all the prosecutors psychiatrists that said he wasn't insane he just shows that to the people at the, the insane state asylum that he's not insane and so only and they're like well we have to months, let you go yeah, after seven months, he gets let go for ramming his wife off the road and shooting her in the stomach and letting her die in broad daylight in open public. How how is this not a movie? I don't because think. he gets away at the end, like it, with That's a movie. Okay. No, That's in the okay. movie, you gotta have something. That's uh, an so, awful movie, and it's just, and it's a glaring example of how crap our justice system. That's why it's not a movie. They tried to make it, kept getting shut down by Big Brother. Now, after all of this, he decides to uh, to to leave the life of crime. So once you know, once after he got away with murdering his uh, his wife, and and got away when, with, once uh, he discovered he was literally Empire. untouchable and could do whatever he wanted, he decided to keep doing that. No, he 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 stops. He legitimately oh, he stops. He opens. Okay. Yeah, he stops. He opens up a contracting company, and uh, and he's going to work there until 1950 in August when he has a stroke. Of good he luck. Survive. Yeah, of good luck. Uh, stroke buddies. Uh, he he has a stroke, and uh, he will wind up living in basically a, a, a what, what do they call an old person's home? You know. Uh, oh, like a, like a re- assisted living facility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he he yeah. lives in an assisted living facility for two more years before he uh, he eventually is going to die in 1952. But still, the yeah German immigrant comes to the United States with all odds, buys a pharmacy, buys a second pharmacy, gets bored with that, becomes a lawyer. Pi, you know, like he is the the founder of the whole transitory insanity defense becomes such mm-hmm. a successful lawyer that the guy's making five hundred thousand dollars a year in 1920 which still five hundred thousand dollars a day is pretty damn good for a lawyer let alone back then i'd be all right with five hundred thousand dollars a year finds a loophole in the uh, in the law in the volstead act to uh, to allow him to buy distilleries and sell the booze to pharmacies which he then steals from himself and sells to you know speakeasies and makes 60 million dollars in three years Gets arrested, only spends two years, still has all of his money, murders his wife, gets away with it, 
and is like, yep, now I'm a contractor. This is like the, the rags to riches American story of, of, of pro-immigration. Tommy, you just proved that the last two minutes could have just been like a, An episode the whole episode. <laughs> whole episode well, needed two minutes. With that said, thank you for listening. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, join us, uh, I don't know, join us next week when we talk about a civil war battle of some sorts. You know, yeah.